This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. We are are on our last of the seven churches. Started back in late November, uh, late October, early November. Took a break for Christmas. Took a little break in January, and then we finished up. Uh, verse fourteen. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness. Talking about Jesus. In verse 15, I know all the things you do. And that was a challenge for us a few weeks ago. I I joked around how um, as parents we think we know all the things that our uh, our kids do. Not the case. Uh, I found out little by little the things that my kids did that I did not know. But let's move on. But Jesus knows everything that we do. He says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are lukewarm, water neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments. There's that wording again. White garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. Last week was shame from the dirty clothes, and this one is from your nakedness, an ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. How many feel the love of God? (laughs) Amen, yeah, being disciplined. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and I knock, And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear, listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying. Uh, the last seven uh, weeks or the last seven churches, we remember, hopefully you remember that the church of Ephesus, their issue was that they lost their first love. They lost focus on Jesus and his mission. The second church, Smyrna, was poor, but they were rich in Christ. That was a challenge for us as a church, that they imitated Christ and they were not afraid. They were poor, yet they were rich. 
And if you remember the reason they were poor in a very affluent society, it would be like being poor in a West Palm Beach County. And in those days, you remember the, the, the church, the Jewish synagogue was speaking ill against the church and uh, the government had its own religion. And the Christian church refused to bow its knee to either one of those. And it cost them economically, financially. But they were rich in Christ. Pergamum had strong, they held strong to their faith, but they compromised in areas they should not have. Thyatira, sin, sin was one of the greatest distractions. It redirected uh, the church from being kingdom-minded minded to self-builders. Last week, we talked about Church of Sardis trying to live in two worlds. They were living lazy lives. They failed to keep their spiritual clothes clean. They were lazy and repenting. And what a beautiful service we had last week when people, many of our, our people responded to repentance. But we can never be guilty of being lazy on repenting. Amen? We can't. And we'll find ourselves in the same spiritual condition as the church in Sardis. And then uh, if you're wondering, like, why did I do uh, Sardis last week? Oh, I flipped it. I got so excited, I started preaching on Philadelphia two weeks ago, and I forgot about Sardis. That was my bad. Philadelphia, God honors faith, and this was an encouraging message to us. God honors faith, not strength. Remember the church in Philadelphia. God honors faith and not strength. It's not about how big or how wealthy we are, but how much faith we have as a church. And that was an encouragement to our church. We're not the biggest church in town. We're not the richest church in town. We're not the most well-known church in town. But that doesn't mean anything in God's economy. But what he will judge us and challenge us is where is our faith in all of us, small churches and large churches, can have great faith not based on economics or attendance size. And so now we find ourselves in the church of Laodicea. I've heard this sermon preached to me multiple times, typically by my youth pastor. Raise your hand if you had your youth pastor preach on this. Yeah, so me too. And the, the, the message typically was, I wish you were, were hot for Jesus or cold and distant from Jesus because God doesn't like hypocrites. And that's typically what we've heard throughout the years. And he, and he doesn't like hypocrites. And I don't think they're way off, but it's not what this passage means. The, the title of our message Tonight, today, was what makes us remarkable? What is, what is going on with the church of Laodicea? Now, I don't want to bore you, but I want to show you a map. And just look at the map, and, uh, and if the map is not correct, Christopher will tell me later on, all right? Um, I love Pastor Chris, um, Brother Christopher. He's, he's just awesome. He knows his geography. He's the only person I know on the planet my, that I know that he would be given the outline of all the countries in Africa and he can write them all out. And 
without, uh, just by memory. I think you missed one, right? Shame on you. You should be ashamed. Um, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I don't want to bore you, but I want you to look at the map of these three, three cities. Laodicea, I call it Heropolis, and Colossae. Look at those three cities. Look where they're located. The other day I was in St. Louis, I was up in the arch, way up there, 630 feet, something like that. And so basically around 60 some uh, stories up. And it was a beautiful cold day and I could see, I felt like I could see Kansas. For a second I thought, is that Kansas? Uh, no. And so, but I could see pretty far. Uh, and the reason uh, Dr. Christopher laughs is like, there would be no way for me to see Kansas. So, now I want you to look at that map again. Let's go back to that. Oh, there's the map. At the base of Heropolis, there's something pretty incredibly going on in this little part of the geographical part. There's a geological formation that produces, uh, by, produced by the natural hot springs. And what is produced by the natural hot springs it's even known today for its hot springs, and over the centuries, the springs has created what they call the snow white calcium deposit. I am not gonna try to name it, I will just tell you it's called Cotton Castle. And from far, far away, if you were to look from Laodicea and look over to this little city, Heropolis, you would think it was a ski slope. It's absolutely beautiful, it's not ordinary, it's remarkable. And when you're, like I said, when you're standing in Laodicea and you're looking over and you can see this freshly powdered ski slope. Now on the opposite side, if you look back in the map, you would see Colossae, and, and, and mostly still, un, uh, it still needs to be excavated, but back in the days, you could see it from Laodicea. And what they had was pretty supernatural and remarkable and it was important, what they had was incredibly, beautifully, wonderful cold water, fresh water, spring water, very much like our um, Wakulla Springs. Beautiful cold water, refreshing cold water. There was a place in Ecuador called Papayacta. Anybody been to Papayacta, Ecuador? You need to go. It is stunning. It is about an hour and a half south of Quito, Ecuador, and they have these hot springs. Uh, Ria's been, right? Ria, yes, Ria's been. Uh, and it's a spring. The hot, the hot water is heated by, it's a volcano um, mountain, and the water is steaming hot. And then right next to the, they built these pools where you can get into these hot water, and right next to it was this raging river, that was melted ice from that same mountain. And so we would have competitions. With, we would take our missions trips, uh, teams. And we would have one day of fun, and we would go there, and we would get into the blazing hot uh, springs, and then we would rush over to the freezing cold river. Now, I, I couldn't do it. I, I wasn't strong enough emotionally uh, to do both. Uh, we had one pool that was so cold, and this is what it reminds me of this, of this hot or cold, that we had a, um, a person with us who was a, he was a Navy diver, and he would go under the Navy ships and clean the barnacles and clean the ships. 
So he was used to going into cold waters up in Maryland and, and northern uh, California. And so we had a competition to jump into the cold water. Uh, it was about 10 of us guys mustered up this competition, and we jumped in. And as soon as my toe jumped and touched the water, I was trying to get out. It was so cold. But my Navy friend, he literally was in there for three and a half minutes, and you could see the, f- the color of flesh leave his body. I mean, it was like turning white. And he stayed there for three minutes and 30 seconds. And I couldn't even stay for one second. Beautiful. But this is what's going on here. So uh, Colossae had cold water. Heropolis uh, Her- uh, had beautiful hot water. And you could see both places from Laodicea. Now, what Laodicea would do was try to pipe in the water. They would try to pipe in hot water from the north, and they would try to pipe in cold water from the south. But what would happen, by the time it got to them, it was the cold water was no longer cold, and the hot water was no longer hot. And it became lukewarm. So if you wanted to take a hot shower, you couldn't. And if you wanted to take, uh, get a cold drink of water, you couldn't. It was just unremarkable. It was bland. It was lukewarm. And I love how Jesus in each of these cities would reference something about their city. And he's doing it here. It sounds like they're having a party downstairs. You hear it? Nobody can go to kids' church anymore right now. So the hot water was no longer hot and the cold was no longer cold. Laodicea's water was lukewarm. And back to the scriptures. And Jesus says, I'd rather, I wish you were rather hot or cold. And it has nothing to do with hot for Jesus or cold for Jesus, meaning you know, far away from Jesus, as many of our youth pastors had good intentions. The challenge, if you look in the scripture, was indifference. The scripture says there that they had indifference. They didn't care. I haven't asked my son, son-in-law, or Michael, our teachers here, but I imagine, because I've, I've talked to other teachers, one of the biggest challenges, when you're a teacher, to have this kind of student the student that doesn't care. You better straighten up or I'm gonna send you to the principal's office. I don't care. If, if you don't straighten up and if you don't do your homework, I'm gonna call your parents. I don't care. The person that doesn't care is a tough person to deal with. And the church of Laodicea is falling prey to, I don't care, indifference, callousness, Living a life that's not remarkable. A life that maybe is just average. Living in the natural. They didn't care. And their attitude reflected in their lives. Their spiritual lives. Now, some of us might be thinking, you might be thinking, well, Pastor Mara, what? give me an example of what you're talking about for us today. Well, so many of us, we only act in the natural. We only go in the areas of our gift, our our natural abilities. 
You know, some of you are naturally good speakers and you'll speak. Some of you are naturally uh, good musicians and you'll play. And, and some of you are naturally in, in athletics and you'll just, you know, you get to, you're just very good at it. But God wants us to not live in the natural, but to live in the supernatural. Not to, not to live in the middle of not being super, uh, you know, remarkable on being hot or incredible and remarkable of being cold. And especially in those days, how, how tough would that would be to be cold or hot. But God wants us to live in the supernatural. And I think too many of us are living and have settled into living a life that's unremarkable or indifferent or average. And God is gonna challenge us to get out of that mindset that I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just go with my natural sweet spot. That's one of the things I love about the Enneagrams and the personalities. Those are your natural abilities. And, and I love studying them. I'm, I'm learning more about the Enneagrams. I've been told I'm an eight. Really? Everybody's like, yeah. I thought I was more like a five. Uh, but I don't know. Anyways, but I would be unremarkable if I just lived in that personality sweet spot of mine. I think that's the natural tendency is just to stay in that lane where God wants us to be in the supernatural lane, to be remarkable. So me being an eight, if that's what people say, then living an eight is not, it's, it's who I am. And, but God wants to move us out of there and begin to utilize us in supernatural ways. And so in our service, you know, God wants to maybe move you out of your, of your, of your normal uh, tendencies at church and maybe come to the front and kneel or, or raise your hand or say a word of encouragement or, or give a word for uh, a, a person word of knowledge, that we need to, uh, we need to move. We need to move out of our rut, our natural tendency, into a world of supernatural abilities. And I think what can help us is our, our reliance on the Holy Spirit, that we would immerse our lives in the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter five. It says in verse 13, my brothers and sisters, you were chosen to be free. But don't use your freedom as an excuse to live under the power of sin. Instead, serve one another in love. But let me ask you a question. Have you served one another in love. So maybe your natural tendency is that I'm busy, I don't have time, I can't do it. I think Deanna was trying to get us to sign up for a school downstairs, um, um, Kid, Town, Kid Town volunteers, and we might naturally think, well, I don't know how I can do that. I'm barely holding my life together. And God could be speaking to you and say, Lord, I want to work in the supernatural. And maybe God would be calling you to do that. Well, 
you know, we, we always need more people on, on, the, on the band. And, and you're going to say, well, Pastor Mark, I, I don't know. I, I, don't like, I don't like being in front of people. Okay, I get that. That's your natural bent. But God is calling us to live in supernatural world, not in our natural lane. And there are times, this is one of the things I love about the Holy Spirit. I'm, the Holy Spirit, I don't believe he's telling us to live 24-7 outside your natural tendency, to how he's made us. But there are times when the Holy Spirit needs us, needs you, to move out of your natural lane. To do what's supernatural. So the old concept of personalities that some of you are loud and, and proud um, you know, the sanguines, what I use as a term, sanguines are people you hear before you see. You can hear them walk in the door before you even see them. You're like, hey, everybody. And God may be calling you to, that person, to supernaturally try to walk in without anybody noticing you. And then there are the other spectrum where there are, are complete introverts who like sliding in just like sliding in and sitting down and, and just kind of quietly just stay in the shadows. And God could be calling you to live a supernatural life and to step out of that. Not every day, all day, but for moments. Like moments like this, for an hour and a half, maybe God is calling you, the ones that are just your natural tendencies to be quiet and to sit and not to say anything to anybody, to live supernaturally. Because there might be someone in this room that might need a word of encouragement, a handshake of love, an embrace, and, say, and living a supernatural life. Love your neighbor. If you say or do things that harm one another, watch out, you could end up destroying one another. So I say live by the Holy Spirit power and you will not do what desires are controlled by sin but what want you to do. The desires controlled by sin do not want the spirit delights in. And so don't let even sin control you. That's why we're not supposed to do, in verse 18, whatever we want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the authority of the law. The result of sin's control in our lives is clear. It includes sexual sins, impure acts, wild living, includes worshiping statues of gods and worshiping evil powers. It also includes hatred, fighting, jealousy, fit of anger, Sinful desire is interested in only getting ahead. It stirs up trouble. It separates people into their own little groups. I pray that we would never settle into our own little groups. If wants what others have, that's what a sinful behavior, you always want what others have. It gets drunk and takes parts in wild parties. It does many things of that kind. I warn you, now as I did before, people who live like this will not receive God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. It's being faithful and gentle and having control of oneself. There's no law against things of that kind. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus have nailed their sinful desires to the cross. They don't want these things anymore. Since we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become proud. Let us not make each other angry. Let us not want what belongs to others. And so the scripture here is challenging us to live by the Spirit. 
not to live by our Enneagrams or our personalities. God made us, he gave us those personalities, but we cannot let that determine how we interact with one another. Well, you know, Jesus, you know, I'm just a private person, and I know you told me to serve my neighbor, to love my neighbor, but I I just don't feel comfortable getting out of that, that lane that doesn't hold. And God is warning the, the Laodicean church that they are living unremarkable lives. The challenge I didn't share last week is that just because you're here doesn't mean we're living according to the Spirit. Now, I'm glad you're here, but we can't fool ourselves thinking just by showing up to church somehow we're going to fool God. He knows all things. Spiritual gifts. Message of wisdom, of words of knowledge, distinguishing of spirits, faith, healings, miraculous powers, prophecy, tongues, interpretations of tongues. The spirit uh, that was in First Corinthians twelve, uh, service gifts in Ephesians four, the uh, the gifts of apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, working gifts, serve, encourage, give, lead. In Romans twelve, mercy, the gift of helps and guidance. And the challenge for us, and I say specifically Mosaic Church, is that we're going to have to learn to live a life that's outside our natural tendency and that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we are live remarkable lives, that we would live remarkable lives because, listen, one day we're going to be held account and God's going to judge us. I know that doesn't sound nice and sound friendly, but we are going to be judged. He's judging the church in Laodicea. What makes you think he won't judge us? What makes you think he won't judge me? First Corinthians 12, I don't read the whole thing. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I love what Eric said we, and what the songs were saying. We need the Holy Spirit to get us out of our natural tendency and to begin to live supernatural lives. That we don't live in the life of normal, or I would say lukewarm. It just feels good, it's comfortable. I'm just gonna settle into my lukewarm life. We're not going to spread the, the word, increase God's kingdom, by living lukewarm lives. We have to live, in, I would say, supernatural lives. So what's the challenge for you and for me? We need to be honest. We need to be honest. Are we living remarkable lives? Or are we just in that lane of personalities, and we just, we're just there. And we use that as an excuse not to get out of that lane. Are we striving more, and I'm talking to younger people here, at least younger than 50. Are we striving more to live remarkable lives on Facebook than in his kingdom? Meaning that you're always trying to present picture 
to show the world how remarkable your life is or all the remarkable things you're doing or all the cool things you're doing. You, you just kind of want that, that dopamine-like. Are we striving to live supernaturalized for his kingdom? I remember my pastor in Sarasota, um, he didn't believe in me on this one event. I thought 500 people were going to come to the event, and then I asked him, how many do you think the people will come to the event? And he says, I think you'll have 50. I said 500, he said 50. And so I had the event, and you're never going to believe who was right. Not me. He was right. And 50 was on the peak. It was a Friday night, all day Saturday, Saturday night thing. It was Saturday night when we had 50. The first night we had like 30 in a church sanctuary that fits six, 700. Something happened to me that day. I wanted to prove him wrong. And so for the next year, two years, while I was still there at the church, I wanted to prove him wrong. And I will tell you, that is a wrong motive. Because I was trying to prove, I was striving to prove him wrong. And when I came into Chi Alpha, I did not invite him to a Chi Alpha gathering until I could prove to him that he was wrong. That shadow hovered over me for about six years. Now, I didn't know it was hovering over me, but it was, as I look back, I could see how that hovered. So I finally invited him to come, and um, it was, uh, a, a, we, we were packing more auditorium at that time. And he came, and I wanted the band to sing a hymn because I wanted to bless him, but I really wanted to prove to him that I've arrived. And, um, and he loves hymns. And so right before our band sang the hymn, he goes, I got to use the bathroom. So he left and went to the bathroom and missed the whole hymn. And here I was. I was striving so hard to please him. And the Lord challenged me, are you striving that hard to please him? And I had to say no. My motive, I was doing good things, but I was trying to please the wrong person. God began to change my heart that day. Who am I trying to please? I have a last picture. Let's see if I lost the, uh, let's see. Let's see, does this work? Where is this one? Can you do the last, the invisible man picture? This is the challenge for most of our church people here. We like being invisible. I, I've, um, I've done my own little assessment and analyzation that we are about 85% introverts in our church, probably 90. We're probably natural, our natural bent in our church, God-given personality, we're introverts. We like 
being invisible. And so the challenge for us as our church is, I believe the Holy Spirit's challenging us, how can we be visible? Not for me, but for him. We can go to that last picture. Are we willing to be remarkable for the king? Are we willing to be remarkable for Jesus? Because the church of Laodicea was neither hot nor was it cold. It lived an unremarkable life. They lived in their lane. And God is challenging us to get out of our lane when he calls us to. Again, I don't think it's a 24-7. If you're a naturally introvert, I think God's calling you for the rest of your life to be an extrovert or vice versa. But when the Spirit is leading you, you say, God, not my will be done, not my natural tendencies, not my lukewarm or natural average. When I say average, I mean like numerically average life. But there are times where God's calling us to step out, speak, or do something that naturally is not you. I believe God's challenging us, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us in that area. It's not going to happen by clenching our fists, tightening our belts, you know, and gritting our teeth. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen when we, we say, Holy Spirit, use me in a way that will bring you the greatest glory. Lord, help me to be hot or help me to be cold. Help me to be remarkable for your kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, and um, we ask that you would help us. Now, every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But you can say, Pastor Mario, um, I like staying in my lane. You know, I'm raising my hand. I like staying in my lane. Just raise your hand and just uh, we can pray with you. Yes, yes, yes. Hands all over the place. Lord, I thank you, God, that we can have a church so filled with honest people. And Lord, we, we know that's one of the steps, is being honest and being uh, able to self-recognize, to self-evaluate, sign of a health. But Lord, we know that's only part of it. But Lord, we want to take steps of faith through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to walk in obedience. Lord, help us. Thank you for the church to lay us here because we learned what we shouldn't do is to live lukewarm lives unremarkable lives, indifferent lives, invisible lives. Lord, we say thank you for your kingdom because we are part of it and we want to bring you the greatest glory. Say thank you, Father. We need you, Father. Bring a special move of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.